Hey, this is Jonathan, and this is the podcast version of my newsletter that went out last Monday. And it was entitled, The Worst Idea Ever. That's right, the worst idea ever. You may have always wondered what it was. Well, you're about to find out. So there's this philosopher that I'm really not a fan of, who you probably have never heard of. His name is Jacques Derrida, and he is one of the great scene architects and intellectual vandals of modern society, and he created a very insidious virus. Not a literal virus, but a very viral idea, a mind virus, an intellectual contagion, and ideas are powerful aren't they? So his idea that I'll refer to as a virus, because ideas, thoughts, memes, what is what is it they say? Memes and genes are the way that things get spread. And so his idea to summarize was that civilization must be burnt down completely, that civilization was utterly corrupt to its core, and like a house hollowed out by termites, should just be burnt to the ground. He had what was likely a very traumatic childhood, growing up as a French Jew in Algiers, that's in Africa, during World War II. Obviously, his brain had some major malfunctions, yet he had that Jewish verbal intelligence, the uh, capacity to craft really persuasive prose, and a bit of French charm and swagger. And he was the father of deconstructionism. If you've never heard of that before, it's it's kind of what it sounds like. And I'll make the case here that it was the worst idea ever. So he believed that virtually everything about civilization was bad and beyond saving, that democracy and republicanism was terrible and had to go that the church and religion was terrible and had to go. The family and the way we raise children was especially terrible and had to go. Science and mathematics was terrible and had to go. Even rationality and logic was terrible and had to go. And he wrote 40 books which contain all sorts of egregious inconsistencies and contradictions. His response when confronted with this was that rationality and logic were at the core of this evil system of oppression, aka civilization, and that he would not be constrained by them. And in the world that was traumatized by the Second World War, many fertile minds bought what he was selling. Indeed, the what he was selling was the product of a traumatized mind, I'm sure. It's funny how really bad ideas seem to uh, find uh, such welcome arms in those that share biases with the originator of those bad ideas. He was a tremendous influence on many schools of thought that arose in the second half of the 
20th century, like postmodernism, cultural Marxism, anthropology, feminism, the social sciences, literary interpretation, applied linguistics, etc. His mind virus found a powerful ally of convenience in the KGB. After World War II, communist spies successfully infiltrated the inner sanctums of power in Western countries, and the KGB very discreetly worked to infiltrate and place those that had been infected with the virus into positions of influence in academia, government, media, and Hollywood, and the virus spread. And perhaps you're like, really, Jonathan, was there really KGB spies that infiltrated, you know, the West and infiltrated our government after World War II? Or are, are, are we getting maybe into conspiracy theory territory? And in this newsletter that I'll, and the uh, Medium article that I'll link to below this podcast, I will include two very detailed presentations that uh, document that that uh, infiltration by the KGB. It's, it's quite fascinating. It's one of those parts of history that they don't teach you about in your high school and probably even your college history class, but quite, quite well documented. I'll encourage you to check out those two presentations. So now that you know about this virus, now that you know about Derrida's virus, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it uh, out in public, on the streets, you'll see it on TV, you'll see it at your workplace, at your school. It really is prolific. And this virus, it's, it's mutated quite a bit. There's myriad different forms of Derrida's virus now. They're not all, they're not all the same. They don't all bear the, vi- the uh, banner of deconstructionism. There's a lot of different forms of it now, but they share the same intention, burning society to the ground. If you turn on the news right now, you won't need to watch it very long to see unwitting disciples of Derrida, who today in 2017 are still hellbent on burning civilization to the ground. Less conspicuously, the virus has had a terrible yet hidden effect on the integrity of science. And the sad truth is that some domains of science have really abandoned logic and reason, just like Derrida did. And we dream of this Star Trek world and civilization where we can live as long as we like in perfect health, where we could travel to the stars, perhaps, where all disease and widespread poverty will be eradicated. We dream of this world where unborn babies will have their genes CRISPR edited so that they will all have uh, 120 IQs and be able to, you know, accomplish all live, you know, really rich, great lives. We dream of a world of true abundance for all and with these really amazing advances in technology that seem to be made uh, all the time with, you know, the you know, with the, the effect of this uh, explosion of computing power that we have and creativity and collaborative engines that the uh, internet has unleashed to take on these really, really big problems. 
it, it seems like we're uh, just within uh, fingers width of being able to, you know, grasp a world where, where, where there's enough for all, right? But the reality is that we will never reach that world if Derrida's virus continues to spread, infect, and corrupt the sciences, if his odious idea virus outcompetes rationality, logic, and empiricism, we can count on the future being a cruel, dark, savage experience for seven, eight, nine, or maybe even 10 billion human beings. Boy, that would be really terrible if it ended up that way, wouldn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't you hate to, you know, in, in your dotage as, as an older person have your children, maybe your grandchildren, and to look out on a world that you were passing on to them, which was much worse than the world that you were given because of the uh, insanity of these, uh, of, an, of an idea virus seeking to deconstruct civilization. I, I really can't imagine anything, anything much worse. Can you? Uh, well, anyways, this is why I have uh, been working on this video series that's a whole lot more practical. You know, it's not these really, you know, abstract philosophical musings like this. It's, it's quite practical about how to tell the difference between bad science and good science. And this week I released a video that I thought was actually quite witty. I think, I think it's kind of fun and it's short and to the point about what is pseudoscience? It's a word that we hear so much. And I think that I, uh, I stuck with the definition of it. I stayed real empirical and I gave you some nice heuristic for, for being able to tell the difference. And then I also wanted to say, hey, bro, ever hear of bromantane? So this is a smart drug that I've heard described in quite grandiose terms from veteran biohackers with a little higher risk tolerance. And uh, But here's the thing, curiously, uh, it's all the supplies of it on the internet are exhausted with one exception, which is nootropicspot.com. And over the weekend, I got on the phone with the proprietor of Nootropic Spot, Sergey, and uh, talked with him about some of their, their sourcing and about uh, what they're doing there. And they, they appear to be a pretty credible source of some interesting yet hard to find nootropics. And I actually secured a 10% discount with the coupon code LIMITLESS2017 if you're interested in bromantane. And I'll link to a place where I synopsize the studies on it. I haven't yet done my own personal trial, and I also haven't yet spent, you know, the 20 to 30 hours that I usually spend putting together those meta-analysis that I do of nootropics. But you can you can check that out. If, if, if you don't know about bromantane, you're probably not interested in it. But if you do know about it, you're probably a pretty sophisticated nootropics user that's into some of the the edgier stuff, and uh, you may want to go and take advantage of that 10% discount code. And uh, okay, so I'll encourage you again, if you haven't already, check out the Bad Science series that I'm putting out. 
And then there was a new podcast that I uh, released called Everything Gives You Cancer, which again, if you've ever had someone in your family and you have some concern about cancer and you don't want to, uh, you know, have to deal with what perhaps friends, family, people close to you uh, have dealt with, go and check out that podcast because I, I, I said some stuff in there that I, I haven't heard described before. And then from the archives, I want to direct your attention to an article that I did that I put up on Medium entitled Life Hacking Ethical Hedonism. And the core belief of hedonism is that people should do everything in their power to achieve the maximum amount of pleasure. And hedonism is also the idea that every person's pleasure should far surpass their amount of pain. And we live in an extraordinary time when you can drink deeply of the cup of hedonism in perpetuity if you do it the smart way. Not if you do it the way everybody else is doing it, but I've, I've got some suggestions and I, I hope you'll check out that article, which is also, I did it as a podcast, of course. Anyways, I'll, I hope that you do get on our newsletter because I share the really good stuff there before I do anywhere else. And as always, I look forward to a continued conversation with you.